we're doing this series better. Talking about how Jesus is better, and we've talked about how he's better in uh, multiple different ways. And I just want to start off, we're going to spend some time in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, it's, it's the best book about faith. And yet I've talked to this about how Hebrews 11, it has like the hall of faith. And even years back, I wound up doing this sermon series that was uh, titled By Faith, and it was the heroes of the Bible. And some will call this book about being the heroes of faith. And what I want to do is I want to kind of set a premise, a little bit of an argument, just to kind of tell you and hopefully prove to you today that Jesus is a better hero. Now, what is a hero? A hero is simply a person who is admired or idealized for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. Why does this matter? Why does it matter what a hero is? I think because... We all see heroes, we all experience heroes, we've all known heroes. I mean, oftentimes even in like our local world, we talk about how first responders, how firefighters, the police officers, the EMTs, those that are responding to scenes of accident and, and living selflessly, how our, our men and women in armed forces, how they're laying their lives down for others and fighting for our freedom, that is heroic because they should be admired. Like the, the bravery, the courage, the achievements that they've had, the qualities that are noble. It's like, that's amazing. And yet what goes even deeper is we are all kind of drawn to stories about heroes. Uh, years ago, there was a, uh, an American writer he grew up Irish Catholic, and he had kind of noted by going through college and studying different religions and different things of the world, he came up with this theory that like all story is really circular, and it all has this hero's journey. And see, being on YouTube and trying to make these vlogs and these short little stories, I try to think how to craft a story and tell a better story because, I mean, we're all drawn to stories. We remember stories, and they make an impact with us. And beyond that, Jesus taught stories, like over and over again. That's what a parable was. He taught in stories. And I'm thinking, well, if I'm supposed to be like Jesus, maybe I should learn how to tell a better story. So I start studying this, and I look at this hero's journey, and the hero's journey is, is really kind of simple. It's somebody goes on an adventure, and they have a little bit of a victory, and then they come back transformed. Uh, a simpler way of putting it would be that they head off into the unknown, <laughs> to obtain something, to discover something that maybe never was or maybe is forgotten, and then return home changed. And also think about how maybe one of the, the best stories that I have heard to capture the essence of a story, there's a, a gentleman that he actually has this great quote, and he summarizes it. His name is Captain James T. Kirk. He said, space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. It's like that. every single episode had a story. 
because they're leaving and they're trying to see something that they've never seen, experience something they've never experienced, discover something that never has been discovered before, and then come back with that experience, that sight, that knowledge, that information, and hopefully have changed for the better. And yet there's all these little sub-storylines and plots that go on, and I've watched a lot of the Star Trek episodes, and it's just, it's so fun. And I look at that and I'm like, man, that's, that's kind of like us as Christians. I mean, we're trying to boldly go where we've never gone before. It's not that we're boldly going where no man has gone before. I mean, there are hundreds, thousands, millions of men and women, many of which are recorded in this Bible, that have already gone where we haven't gone, done what we haven't done, seen what we haven't seen, experienced what we haven't experienced. And even in the book of Hebrews, we often talk to them about them as heroes of the faith. But see, the thing is, is that we, in order to go and to expect that we're going to get something, we're going on an adventure in life. We're trying to experience God in bold new ways. That whole thing, it requires faith. That's why the hero's journey is important. That's why it's important for us to understand who a hero is, what a hero is, what the qualities of a hero's are. Because when we see them and we're admiring them, and if that hero has gone where we haven't gone before, but we're wanting to go where they've already been, we'll start to look at how they did it and walk the path that they walked. And that is good to an extent. But it can also be detrimental to us when they're not a great hero. And Jesus himself is a better hero. See, we're all told through Scripture that we are to live by faith, to operate by faith. Four different times in the Bible it talks about this. In Habakkuk 2.2, in Galatians 3.11, Romans 1.17, in Hebrews 10.38, it tells us that the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. If you didn't know it, if you put your life in Christ, you are just. That means you're justified. God sees you as just as if you've not done anything wrong. Because he doesn't see your sins, he sees Jesus' sacrifice. You are just, now you are to live by faith. Great, and to live by faith? This church is called full faith? What is faith? Well, I just thank God that he gives us the greatest definition of faith. If you got your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll see this, and we're actually going to read a few different verses in here. Normally, I'll just stop on verse 1, but I'm not going to stop on verse 1 today. We're going to read Hebrews 11, 1 down through 7. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were, made, were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. And I sat there and I look at this and I'm like, this is, this is great. And it's already starting to show me some of these heroes of faith. You read on this entire chapter, which we're not going to do today, but I recommend that you do it at some point in time. You read on, you'll see that we're seeing these heroes of faith. We're learning about Abel. We're learning about Enoch. We're learning about Noah, about Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. We learn about Moses and Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, uh, Samuel, and all the prophets. And I, and I hear these lists. The list of all of these people who have obtained mighty things by faith, done mighty things by faith, experienced mighty things by faith. And I'm like, these are heroes. They're to be admired. Or are they? Because if we start to think about it, Noah was a drunk. Abraham was a liar. Sarah laughed at God. Moses and David murdered people. And Rahab was a prostitute. These are people to be admired. I even think in my own life, recent years, like growing up in this age and trying to get into ministry and learn how to be a pastor and wear my gifts and my unique abilities and trying to find other men and women that are out there in the world and they have styles and, and teachings and understandings that maybe I need to experience. And there have been a couple that, I mean, I've, I've read so much of what they've done. I've looked up to them because of their theology, because of the impact and the reach of their ministry. Only then here in recent years to find out that their ministries have come under great scrutiny because they have had a lot of sexual immorality there have been a lot of sexual misconduct allegations brought up against them. I'm thinking, I followed everything that these men said. Are they really to be admired? Yes and no. I mean, from their acts of faith, through their faithful obedience, absolutely. But through the times that they're not operating by faith, but instead they're operating by the flesh? Absolutely not. But then we have Jesus. And he's a better hero. He's the best hero. <laughs> Where was his misconduct? It wasn't there. Now we sit there and we look at this definition of Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What are we hoping for? Eternal life. What is it that we can't see? Eternal life. We can't see the end. And if it's eternal, is there an end? How are we ever going to be able to understand that something doesn't ever end when everything in this world ends? Everything we've ever experienced in life has an end. And some of it ends way too early. But when we're hoping for something that doesn't end, 
a life that doesn't end, a life that is eternal. We can't see it. Well, that's where faith comes in. Faith is the substance. Faith is the proof. Faith is the evidence of what we can't see. But for our natural minds, that makes no sense. We have proof in something that we can't prove. We have evidence in something that we can't actually see. Like that, that doesn't make sense to the natural man. My mind can't wrap it around that. I, I don't know what that means. But yet we're even told here in verse 3 that we are all exercising our faith. It says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God. I mean, sure, there's a lot of theories out there in the world how the world actually began. That somehow there was like, I don't know, a spark of lightning that flashed in a mud puddle and all of a sudden like that started a chain reaction and somehow from like nothingness we became everything and like I guess at some point in time if we trace us back far enough I was a monkey. Even though there's like this missing link, they refer to it as a missing link which means the link that would connect humans and primates it's missing because it doesn't exist. Like that takes more faith. I mean, I think we've got a pretty easy faith. How about we just believe that God, who has always been and always will be, who is all powerful and can do absolutely anything except for violating his own abilities and his own nature. How about we just believe that that God said, let there be and there was. Like, that makes more sense. Creation coming from a creator makes more sense than creation coming from nothing. And see, we all exercise that faith, but we all exercise faith in many other ways. You guys got up this morning. If you were like me, you, you might have stopped and filled up some gas. Maybe you were smart and you planned ahead. Not sure I planned ahead, so I'm not sure I was smart in that method, but I mean, I put the nozzle in and I squeeze like because it's in I can't even see how much fuel is going in there all I can see is a little number on a screen and I'm operating by faith believing that the number that it says is actually the number that it was and that they're not ripping me off somehow like that that's faith or then you start driving the car and you get here and hopefully you weren't speeding but, you know, right next to your accelerator, there's another little pedal there, and that's a brake. You operated by faith, believing that as you put your foot on that, it would actually work the way it was supposed to, and you were going to stop. You walked in here, sat down in those chairs. I didn't see any one of you inspecting them for their structural stability, you just sat down and by faith, you believed that it was going to hold you in position and that you weren't going to wind up on the floor. We also believe in gravity, even though we can't see it. I, I can't see gravity, but I know it exists because I live by it all the time. We have faith in people. We trust that somebody's going to do what they say they're going to do, especially as we've gotten to know them. And they start to build more trust. They start to prove themselves that they do what they say they're going to do. Yeah, we have faith in them. That we can just ask them. Now, we don't have faith in everybody. But at least those who have proven that they are trustworthy. 
We have faith in societal structures like telecommunications. You kind of believe that if you pull one of these things out and you punch in some numbers or you just happen to say, hey, whatever assistant you have, call so-and-so, it's actually going to do that and it'll put you in contact. Even though you can't see the infrastructure, you've not worked on it. You don't know if it's actually there. You can't see it. But you have faith that it will. We have faith that the sun will rise in the morning. We have faith in ordering food. <laughs> like, I mean, don't think about it too hard because I, I really don't want to gross you out. But you know some of those employees that are working at those fast food restaurants? Like, I'm just thankful that they have system in places that even a monkey could figure out. But it's like, you don't, you don't know. You've not inspected that food. You've not inspected their equipment. But you just have faith that you're not going to get food poisoning from it. And you still order it over and over and over again. We have faith and we're putting faith in many things every single day. But as Christians, we're supposed to be putting our faith in God. And without that faith in God, we'll never be able to please Him. And that's what Hebrews 11.6 says. Hebrews 11.6 tells us this. It says that without faith, it's impossible. There's that word again, impossible. The word that we're to take literally, impossible. There is no possibility for us to please God without faith. We have to have faith. We have to. Now, I love this because even this verse, it's kind of bookend by two other examples of faith. We jump back one and we see Abel. Abel offers this better sacrifice. But all of a sudden, you can look down and you get Enoch. Look at this one in Enoch. Actually, we can go back to Genesis 5.24 and you see something about Enoch. Very little is written about Enoch, and yet what was written about him, what is said about him is so profound. Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. We flip on the other side of Hebrews 11.6. We get to Hebrews 11.7 and we hear about Noah. And we can see what Noah did in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. It says this is the genealogy of Noah. Genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. So these guys that have pleased God, by faith, walked with God. Walked with God, walked with someone who they can't see, who they can't feel, who they can't touch, and they walked with him. You know what we ought to be doing by faith? Walking by faith. Walking with God. What does it mean to walk with God? What does it mean to have faith? How does that work? Here's a, here's a simple definition, and you can find it straight from that verse. Hebrews 11:6. 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, step one, come to God, must believe he is, step two, believe he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Step three, diligently seek him. What does it mean to come to God? Greek word prosokomai. That means to approach in worship. Come to God, approach him in worship. What do we do for worship? Your God, I'm not. I love you. I'm here. Use me. Tell me. Lead me. 
I'm walking with you. I'll be with you wherever you go. I'll follow you wherever you tell me to go. I worship you. I'm at your feet because I'm walking with you. First, for faith, we must come to God. But then we have to believe that he is. Believe he is. Don't just believe in what he can do. Believe in who he is. He is God. He is the creator of everything. He is everything. And then believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him personally, not just diligently seeking what he can do for them. We don't come to God. We don't believe that he is the God of everything just so he'll give us what we want. No, we come to God worshiping him, believing that he is worthy to be worshiped because he is God. And I am going to diligently seek his face, seek his presence. I want to be with him in everything. That's what Enoch did. That's what Noah did. That's how they're walking by faith. And yet I see this and I love it. And yet I think these men and women that are talked about, these heroes of faith, they're good heroes, but they're not better heroes. Jesus is still the better hero. Jesus is so much better. And if we read past this chapter, we read through it, we come to the very next chapter. And I love it because in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it starts off with a therefore. You heard me say therefore, you know where I'm going. That's why we understand the before. And the before was by faith. It's impossible to live without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And here are all these people who obtained and did and achieved many things by faith. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I'm telling you, that's a race of faith. We're not just walking by faith. It's like a speed walking race. We're walking by faith. We're racing by faith. But as we're doing it, what are we to be doing? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The ESV says he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He is the substance of our faith. He is the essence of our faith. He is the example of our faith. He is the one that shows us what it really means to live by faith. That's who Jesus is. That's why he's better. Jesus is a better hero. And I get it. Oftentimes we sit there and we think about this and it's like, it's easy for us to look at, say, the Apostle Paul, to look at Moses, to look at David, to look at Rahab, to look at Sarah and think, you know what? I, I've been like Sarah a time or two where God told me I was going to do something. God told me I was going to be a pastor. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Like I've laughed at God. I've laughed at God. I've lived immorally. I may not have committed murder, but I've sure hated some people. And Jesus says that's as good as murder. And I sit there and I can look at them and I'm like, it's easier to relate to them because they're not perfect. They've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. The problem is when we start focusing on them so much, we stop focusing on the one who's actually perfect, who makes our faith perfect, because he is the perfecter of our faith. And we're like, oh, but I can't do what Jesus did. Yes, you can. They achieved it by faith. Why? Because they had the same hope that we had. 
The same hope in eternal life and the same hope that even back in the beginning was talked about, the same hope that God was going to send the rescue for us. He was going to send a ransom that God himself would provide himself a lamb for us. It's the same message. It always has been the same message. They just kept their eyes focused. And because they were focused, looking to the hope that was coming, like we are to be looking at the hope who came, Jesus, the author, the finisher, the founder, the perfecter of our faith. If we'll keep our eyes focused on him like they kept their eyes focused on him, now we can obtain and do those mighty things by faith. And the greatest thing that we can do by faith is please God. <laughs> it's all about keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. That's what this entire book of Hebrews is about. Jesus is better. Jesus is better in communicating. Jesus is a better sacrifice. Jesus is a better priest. Jesus is a better hero. Because I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that God tells me that I'm supposed to do something. And sometimes it's as simple as just reading the word and I see something in here. One I probably struggle with the most is still James 1.19. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Why is it that I want to be slow to hear, quick to speak, and quick to get angry? I want to do the exact opposite, but I see God do it, and I'm like, I'm supposed to do this. But I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. Okay. In my weakness, there lies the strength, because that's where Christ can come in. Because all of a sudden, I can sit there and say, I don't know how to listen well. I don't know how to speak well. And I sure don't know how to have a proper attitude and a proper temper. But I know who does. Jesus. Hey, Jesus, can you show me how to do this? And I love the fact that we've got this Bible and we can see his example. And see, there are times that God will tell me to do these things. And, and I'm sure he's telling you guys to do things as well. And it's like, but I, I don't know how. Oftentimes, he tells us to go and do something that we really don't want to do. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Jesus, there were things that he was told to do that he didn't want to do. If we would look to him, we would see the right way of actually dealing with these situations. Here's why Jesus is a better hero. Some heroes out there, they're told they're commanded to do things and they'll turn and they'll run. They'll disobey orders. We still call them heroes because they followed orders, but some of them they disobeyed and they turned away from. Jesus didn't disobey orders. But I want you to see this, this passage out of Matthew chapter 26. Jesus in the garden. It says, He went a little farther, fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will. Now, I, I love that because I've had those moments. God, I, I don't want to do this. Can't you send somebody else? Can't you have somebody else do this? I don't want to talk to those people. I don't want to deal with those people. I don't, I don't want to have to do it. I don't want to go there. I don't want to see that. I don't want to experience that. I don't want to be the person. Can't you send somebody else? Now, the difference is, I just kind of end it there. 
And then I drop the conversation. I don't do what Jesus did. Jesus is like, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. There's something to learn there. He goes on, he says, he came to his disciples, found them sleeping, and says, Peter, what, you could not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, a second time, he went away praying, saying, O my father, if this cup cannot pass from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away, and again prayed for the third time, saying the exact same words. Now, hey, growing up in Word of Faith circles, I remember being taught, and I don't know if I was actually taught this or if I just heard this. If you prayed and you asked God, believe and receive. And if you had to ask him a second time, you didn't believe the first time, so you didn't have enough faith. And then all of a sudden I look at this and I'm like, but Jesus prayed three times for the exact same thing. Are you telling me that he didn't have faith? The author, the finisher, the founder, the perfecter of faith? <laughs> no, that's not it. Jesus had faith. Jesus didn't waver. Jesus didn't doubt. Jesus just expressed his desire. God, can you take this from me? I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to die for these people. They've already been rejecting me. They've already been insulting me. They just said that I was of the devil. Like, I don't want to do it for them, but it's not about what I want, Father. You're my Father. I'm here to worship you. I'm walking with you. I'm seeking you. What do you want, Father? Because that's what I want. See, there are things that God will ask us. There are things that we go through. And we're supposed to respond in faith. Jesus' response in this prayer was by faith. If there's any way it can pass, just checking. But not what I want. It's what you want. It's what you want. See, true faith is living boldly in knowing that God knows best. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus is like, the Father knows best. He told me this has to happen, so this has to happen. Come in. Just check in, touch and base for the second time. Any, any way? No? Okay. Still, whatever you want. Goes back looking for his people. They're still sawing logs. Comes back a third time. It's me. I'm back again. Just triple checking. Okay. Whatever you want. And then you see what Jesus did. He went to the cross. He handed himself over. They wanted to fight. Peter now wakes up and he wants to fight. He wants to prevent Jesus from being taken away. And Jesus is like, nah, put the sword away. I'm going with them. This has to be done. Because Jesus lived by faith. Boldly knowing that the Father knows best. See, that's what we do. Living by faith, operating by faith. It's walking by faith. It's walking with God. It's approaching God with worship, approaching God for who he is, not what he can do, and diligently seeking him 
personally, for a relationship, not just for the rewards. We don't seek after him for the rewards. We seek after him because he is the rewarder. It's not about what he does. It's about who he is. And yet I love this because as I see that, as I read that, as I start to understand that, all of a sudden I see that that is all the way throughout the scriptures, that approach. I want to end here with Psalms chapter 105, verse 1 through 5. Beautiful song about what it means to walk by faith. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Remember who he is. Remember what he's done. See, everything we do is by faith. Everything we do should be by faith. It should be boldly believing that God knows best, that he knows better than I do. And when we look at the examples that are set before us, Jesus is the best example. Jesus is a better example. Jesus is a better hero because he shows us exactly what it takes. He shows us exactly what it takes. And Jesus knows what you've gone through. He's experienced it. We discussed this a couple weeks back in Hebrews 4.15. It talks about how this high priest of ours, he understands our weaknesses. He understands our struggles because he's faced all of the same things. And yet he did it without sin. Jesus didn't sin. Jesus didn't sin. Catch that. Jesus didn't sin. The rest of them sinned. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, all the prophets sinned. Jesus didn't sin. These are great heroes of the faith, but Jesus is a better hero. Keep your eyes focused and fixed on Jesus. Follow his way of doing things. We want to please God. We have to live by faith because that's what we're called to do. And Jesus is the better example. Jesus is a better hero. Let's admire him. Let's admire what he's done because he laid the path for each and every one of us. I challenge you to read this chapter, Hebrews 11. I challenge you even more, bounce back a few verses back into Hebrews 10. Skip forward a few extra verses into Hebrews 12. Read that whole passage in context, the before and the therefores. You read it, you'll start to see it. It'll start to illuminate things. Open up your eyes to how amazing God is and why it's so important for us to walk with him, to seek his face, to have a deep relationship with him. And Jesus shows us how. Don't ever forget that Jesus is better. Let's pray.